Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. And my guests today are Ross Novitz and Josh Jackson. And I'm so pleased to have both of them. And we're going, our topic is facing the unknown. They were on my program last in 2017, and we'll discuss that in a moment. But I just want to tell you why I am particularly pleased to have them here today. Because Auschwitz, uh, it's the liberation, the 75th year, um, year that ago, sorry, Auschwitz was liberated 75 years ago. I really got that one tangled up. And um, I just feel that it's such a particular privilege, and I'm so proud to interview these two young men who have found meaning in their Jewish heritage, their identity, their religion, and I'm just so pleased to have you both here today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Joshua is my grandson, and Ross is kind of an adopted grandson, and I know that his grandmother, Margaret Wolf will be listening in, and probably his dad, Len, as well. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. Now, in 2017, we were discussing, your, you were in grade 11, you had both uh, were on the prefect body, you were going into matric. We were talking about social media and the difficulties of social media and the bullying, cyberbullying. But tell me about the matric year. Who would like to start? Okay. Josh, okay. I'll start us off. Um, firstly, the matric year is incredible. Um, it's obviously mixed emotions. Um, everyone's very stressed very uh, always under pressure um, obviously because you want to get the best marks possible which you both did which thank god we were blessed with very good marks and um, but at the end of the day you also have to live quite a balanced life and you have to make sure that above over be uh, over and above uh, working that you're also going to gym um, finding time for friends um, which I think is very important and I think um, both of us did that pretty well I'm, I know I'm speaking for myself but Ross and I pretty much do almost everything together so um, we kind of did the same things um, and I definitely felt that matric was probably one of the most life-changing years of my life um, I really kind of figured out what discipline was and to just sit down and work and put in the hours um, and obviously the more hours you put in the greater the result and um, the prouder you are of yourself after you've completed it absolutely and ross you you well you both had uh, being on the prefect body you had a lot of responsibilities you were vice head boy ross was it was it a responsibility um yeah very much so um it's a metric as it is is very difficult as josh explained the balance I think it's just about finding the right balance. Um, and when you when you find yourself on the prefect body, you're taking on more responsibility. So the more responsibility comes, more things to juggle. Um, but fortunately enough, um, I had an, an exceptional group that I was working with. I think everyone just motivated each other and always there for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that we were able to achieve was remarkable. Um, but yeah, um, I think the like looking back at it, um, your priority is always your metric um, because at the end of the day, that's what you're going to be leaving with, so meaning the academic side. But having said that, um, there's so much more to life. Um, and at the end of the day, um, my year wouldn't have been if, had a, if I'd not been on the prefect body. 
Um, and it really was a privilege and an honor to have been working with the people I worked with and have, be, and have been given opportunities um, that I've been given because of it. Um, and definitely my, like for myself, I learned so much about myself um, in that setting, in that environment. Um, and it just it kind of equipped me with these life skills that I know that I can take forward. Um, did, you, did you actually feel at the end of the year that you were ready to leave school and embark on a new I mean, I guess it was a weird experience, you know. Um, we've been in school our whole lives. After every holiday, you know, you're going back to school. Um, all your friends are there. Um, all your teachers who have been the biggest supports in your life and teaching you so much about who you are and about, obviously, your academics. Um, you just suddenly leave then. You up and go, and then it's like onto a new chapter. So on, on the one hand, it's scary and upsetting because everyone's going on their own journeys now, their own paths, and... Obviously, everyone splits up, and it's just unfortunate, you know, like you form these strong relationships and bonds with all your closest friends and teachers and and just people around you. Your whole grade becomes like a strong kahila, and at the end of it, what it's very good. What is a kahila? A kahila is a group, like um, in, the, in the Hebrew word, is a, it means group. Um, and you become very close to each other, and you, you see each other 24-7, almost like um, every single day on the weekends, you usually see each other at parties. Um, at social events So it's very difficult to just up and go Everyone starting yeah. their new degrees Some people taking gap years um, So that's the upsetting part And um, yeah, just school's awesome You know, I loved school <laughs> um, Although the work's always hard And, uh, and it's but not you were almost both, You both got very involved In so yeah. much that your school yeah. had to offer And I think 100%. that If you had something to actually offer The students today in matric today what would you? What would your advice be? Um, I think there's something. I mean, we both matriculated from King David High School, Linksfield, um, and there's something unique in being a King Davidian, as in it really is a community school. Um, you hear time and time again when you're there, um, and the environment is just—it's a very open environment. Um, uh, and at the end of the day, what I'd encourage everyone who um, not only goes to King David, but anyone um, you know is in high school, especially starting the journey, is just to get involved. At the end of the day. Um, I remember our prefect body when we were young grade eights walking into the school on the first day just telling us to try absolutely everything and ev- anything mm. um, because at the end of the day you don't really know what you're going to be good at you don't really know what mm. you're going to enjoy um, and you have so many opportunities at your disposable um, and it would be really unfortunate if you didn't at least try um, and I think that would be my advice is try, get involved um, and as I said, on one hand it is school, there are academics but Josh spoke so nicely about the balance and the best way in finding your balance, um, especially in the school environment, would be doing the extramural activities, doing whether it be arts, culture. Um, King David offers a huge variety, as do as do most Jewish day schools. Um, I can't speak from personal experience. I can only speak on behalf of King David. Um, but yeah, I just say get involved as much as you possibly could. I can get. I can actually give your my bit of input there. Uh, being a, a boarding at a, bo- a girls' boarding school. I got involved with absolutely everything, the baiting, the, the debating, the um, acting, everything, because it, it allows us to get out of school. Exactly. Because we used to debate exactly. against early other class schools. Early. So. But you need that. That's, <laughs> where you form, that's where you form also a lot of strong connections in school. Um, also where you just relax and it, it like de-stresses you and mm-hmm. it, it like stimulates your brain, whether it's sporting activities or being in play pr- like productions. I think what King David offered was incredible, and I definitely think all the students should utilize it as much as they can, because at the end of the day, it's not all about academics. Who knows? Like, you may be good at 
acting, you may be good at academics, you may be good at sports, and there's, I definitely think, a place for everyone at King David. Mm -hmm. There's so many students, firstly, on the one hand, and therefore I think there's people for everyone and a place for everyone. And um, that's why, like Ross said, also beautifully, um, that just get involved in, in as many things as you can, especially in the earlier years of high school, because that's when you have the most time. Absolutely. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. My guests today are Ross Novitz and Josh Jackson, and our topic is Facing the Unknown. And we were just talking about um, matric and what was expected of them and what they were, the advice they would give to people starting high school and people in matric, and that is to find the balance and to actually get involved in as many activities you can, especially team sports, because that way you get to know each other and work together. Um, you know that Rabbi Israel Salanta said, character is a person's only true possession. Mm. Now, both of you decided to go on a gap year. Now, this took character and courage. Tell me, Josh, I'm going to start with you. What decided you to go on a gap year, first of all, and where did you go? So I definitely think that a gap year offers something more than just going to varsity and kind of continue, continuing in the cycle of how everything works in, in Johannesburg in South Africa. I think it offers you a platform to grow, to create a foundation for yourself, to be independent and to learn a lot about yourself away from your family, away from your friends, where you're kind of on your own and you're in a new environment, you're with new people from all over the world with different cultures. Um, and it definitely equips you with a lot of skills to go through life and, um, and to live life to the best of your ability and to find and figure out the direction you want to go in. So in terms of that, that's why I decided to go on a gap year. And specifically, I chose to go to Yeshiva on the MTA Benakiba Gap Year program. Now, for all our listeners, just explain what a Yeshiva is. So a Yeshiva is we... It's, it's a, a seminary. Yeah, it's huh? a seminary. A religious seminary. A religious seminary, Jewish um, seminary in Israel. We were based in Jerusalem, but there's obviously Yeshivot and Midrashot all over the country. The Midrashot is the girls' one. And um, like I said, ours was based in Jerusalem. And um, it was incredible. I mean, just living and learning Torah, um, Bible um, in the in Jerusalem was incredible. It really taught us a lot about ourselves um, and also just deepened our emunah, our faith and our connection to the land and to Hashem and really just guided us on a, on a direct and clear path for where we wanted to head in the future and kind of. Yeah, definitely. I think direction now, is the biggest thing that I, that I felt. felt on my, yeah. there. Now, both of you um, are religious boys. You both are Shomrei Shabbat. And so you this is not new to you. But, uh, Ross, you were not sure initially where you were going to be going. If you were, you were going to go on a gap year, but you weren't sure where. What made you decide to go to Israel? Um, interestingly enough, um, I wasn't actually fixed on a gap year. Um, my dad was quite adamant that no, have to do the varsity route. Oh. Um, but, but was what I found um, for me uh, was I wasn't sure where I wanted to study, and I saw you know in years ahead of me that often you found people taking on degrees and end up chopping and changing and, and like I don't know the degree just didn't work out for them, um, and I was uncertain as to where I wanted to study. So I said, Dad, listen, 
Um, I remember coming back from March of the Living um, in 2000. March of the Living in Poland. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember deciding then then that I have to spend a considerable amount of time living in Israel. Um, and I said to my dad, "Listen, this is the person. Uh, this is a perfect opportunity." Um, but then the question comes: which program? Uh, and my family, um, although I'm, I've taken on a lot more and I've become a lot more observant. Um, my family, like even myself, a few years ago, we were a bit more secular. Um, we're in Shoma Shabbos, we're in Shoma Kashrut. Um, but I found myself in the vernacular environment. So once Just explain what that is for our listeners who don't know, B'nai Kiva. Okay, so B'nai Kiva is a youth movement. Um, it's a youth movement that functions all over the world. Um, we, Josh and I, were both a part of B'nai Kiva South Africa. Um, but the Gap Year Program, MTA, um, that we both ended up on, um, just like Limud, which is, the, um, which is another Gap Year Program of B'nai Kivas, um, functions with Australians and South Africans. Um, and you then under the jurisdiction of Benakiva Olami, which is World Benakiva. So it kind of presented the opportunity to engage with people all around the world and like-minded people around the world. Mm. Um, so for me, just going back to my story, once I decided I was going, going to go on a Benai program, um, I just had to start the discussions. Um, I was really uncertain as to which program I should go on, whether it should be Limud um, or MTA, just to explain the difference briefly. Uh, Limud is the focus or the primary focus of Limud is experiential learning and then comes um, more like text-based, more like what Yeshiva Midrasha is, um, whereas on MTA it's more the um, Torah learning, more the hours dedicated to that, and then you get the experimental side. So it's just a difference in mainly primary focus, but both programs offer a lot more. That's just very brief. Um, and, yeah, so when I, I, how I decided I was going to end up on the program I went is I spoke to my different Madrichim. Um, or t- uh, the translation would be like advisors, like um, counselors. Yeah, the people mm. who kind of mentored me um, into I am today um, through the Benakiva youth movement environment. Um, people who I look up to um, and people who have now become friends. Um, it's an unbelievable um, relationship that you have with your Madrich. Um, so having spoken to them, um, I decided that you know the lives that they lead and the people they are and the values that they live by. This is something that I want to take on for myself. Um, and for a lot of them, they found themselves on a on MTA or Limud. Um, so that kind of narrowed down my, uh, my choice. And funnily enough, Josh had decided he was going to Yeshiva. Um, and we were just, because there's two Yeshivas that you can go to when you're on um, MTA. You can either go to Gusha Tzion um, or you can go to Eretz Atzvi. Um, and we were speaking about it and I was, I was almost going to go on Limud. Uh, but I found myself on MTA. A big influence was Josh and his parents. Um, I decided that this is the right program for me. I think a big thing when deciding a year program is you have to um, decide what is going to offer the best balance for me. Mm. And although I took a bit of a risk, um, it definitely paid off because, as I said, my previous environment wasn't so um, religious, so to speak. Uh, coming from, as Josh mentioned, it was a very foreign environment for me personally, and it took a few months to like get into it. Um, but I definitely think, think pushing myself from the beginning Uh, made the biggest difference. That's amazing. Quite honestly, Ross, you know, you said something on your program in 2017 about what Simon Sinek said. And he said millennials expect to reach the summit without any struggle. Yeah. Now, you struggled. I mean, look at that decision. It was a struggle. Yeah. And and you did it. And then the other thing one of you said on the last program was King Solomon said you fall down seven times and you get up eight times. Yeah. So how many times did you fall down, Josh, before you decided on this program? (laughs) Don't even... 
I was debating between the two yeshivot, not only Mud. Um, and it was a big decision because a lot of my counselors or madrichim were pushing me to go to the one and certain others for Eretzatzvi, where mm-hmm. I ended up going. Um, so it was very conflicting. And I thought that both institutions offered incredible things. Um, they were just very different. Some focused on certain things and the other one focused on other things. Um, so I just at the, at the end of the day had to figure out which one would best be suited to me. And I definitely think my parents also helped with that decision because, believe it or not, for all the youngsters listening out there, your parents know you a lot more than you probably know yourself. <laughs> so, advice. and I love to like heed the advice of my parents. Um, so I definitely, at the end of the discussions and meeting up with people and having all the interviews, um, I definitely listened to my parents and I'm grateful that I listened to my parents because I definitely chose the right program and the right place for me. It was just so multicultural, very diverse, very wide range of learning. Um, and which was incredible, which I was looking for, because I didn't want something so focused and fixated. I want some, I wanted something that could kind of impact me in many different aspects of my life, which I thought Eretzatzvi did and offered me. And also, Josh, you know, uh, you being my grandson, we come from a very mixed background. I mean, I have brought <laughs> very a very mixed so. background <laughs> in, and so you know what? There was tolerance was actually needed, also, wasn't exactly. it? Definitely. Um, and did you find that you did get tolerance there, or was there some intolerance? No, there are a lot of tolerance. Firstly, um, not everyone coming to yeshiva or the seminary was religious or from, if you like to put in those words. A lot of the boys were very anti-God, very uh, didn't have much faith, and were just coming there mainly to get points for their Ivy League schools going back to America or oh, to, wow. to England. So you can imagine the type of conversations and debates that – and kind of differing opinions that went on in the yeshiva and that's why i think it was a lot more um tolerant than most other places because a lot of other places won't accept boys such as these um if they're coming in with that mindset they just for for their points but what i liked about Eretz is they did offer that um and we were just open to hearing each other's opinions we debated a lot and we're just respectful of each other and we became really good friends and yeah great we'll get back to that this is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, it's Sue Jackson, and I'm back with my guests, Ross Norberts and Josh Jackson. And you can SMS us on 34519, or you can telegram us on 061-895-1019. If you have any questions or any messages for the boys, that would be great. We are going to be listening to a very short YouTube. It is from Eretz um, Hatzvi. I'm not promoting them in particular, although we, I did follow every single one of your <laughs> Shabbat messages that came out. But um, And it's on what are my classes. Thank you, Craig. I went to a modern Orthodox day school. I was kind of into learning, but I definitely didn't have much religious direction coming out of high school. Came from a religious family, always kept Shabbos kosher. Upon reflection, I realized I didn't really know what I was doing at all. <laughs> high school taught me the lifestyle that I wanted to live was a Jewish lifestyle. If I didn't go beyond high school, I really wouldn't gain the skills that I needed. I decided to come to Yeshiva and prepare myself for going out into the world. And for me, the programming in Eretz was what I was looking for. There are here on the pros and cons of different modern Orthodox Datilumi Jewish philosophies, how they're all uniquely meaningful, and how to choose the one that's best for us. Gemara is obviously important because it's a basis for all, you know, the halacha and a lot of things that we do in our day-to-day lives. But they're saying that Tanakh is important. They're saying halacha is important. They're saying Jewish thought, philosophy, 
you know, the way in which we live our lives, that's important too. We're really looking to find the thing that will make you passionate about Judaism. In the long term, that's going to build a more dedicated Jew. We have Tanakh scholars, we have intense thinkers in terms of Jewish philosophy, we have classical Gemara band. The rabbis here are so worldly, but at the same time so learned that it gives me a real respect for Torah. Yeshiva has definitely instilled in me a stronger sense of purpose. I wake up knowing that today is going to be a day where I'm going to dive and I'm going to know why. I'm going to learn Torah and I'm going to know why. I learn it enough to make active choices in my life about the things that I do. And whether it's as simple as I know if I've made a mistake in Kashrut in my kitchen, I can fix that mistake. Or having a little bit more meaning to the things that I do, then the journey is worth it. My like secular goals, so to speak, were separate from my religious goals. Like, we'll find a way to fit Judaism into this. And now I think about my secular goals as stemming from Judaism. How I see myself as a Jew now compared to how I saw myself at the beginning of the year I thought it was almost unrecognizable. My time in Israel has been the most meaningful, wonderful, exciting time of my life. If you're looking for an experience that is broad, that is going to help you make big decisions, then Eretz Tzvi is a real serious consideration. If you want to grow this year like you couldn't even possibly imagine, if you want to be someone who wants to be a better person, a better Jew, um, you need to come. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson. You've just been listening to a YouTube on um, about the the choice to actually go in the classes at a yeshiva. They were talking about uh, Josh and Ross's particular yeshiva, which was Eretz Hatzvi. But um, Ross, what did you think about that? Did you agree with what what they said about the classes? Um, I very much so agree. Um, I don't think that could have been worded any better. I think what um, distinguishes our yeshiva from others is the diversity, um, and not only with the people, but just with the curriculum. As in, often you find that yeshivot are very streamlined into Gomorrah uh, learning based. Just explain the Gomorrah so, so learning. So is the Talmud, um, and it's a, as, uh, the way it's easier to explain if I explain the breakdown of our yeshiva. So in the morning we'd study Gomorrah and Chavruta, meaning you learn with someone, okay. like a friend. If you could just sort of translate into English, because sure, we have no problem. many <laughs> of my family too who listen in who won't know what <laughs> those words are, but so yeah, many so other people too. So in the morning you're basically learning Gomorrah, um, and you're learning with a friend, learning with somebody um, before you go into a lesson about what you've just learned. So that's pretty much, that's what you'd call like morning seder or the morning lessons. Then in the afternoon, which separates our yeshiva outside from different yeshivot, is we have an, the option of shirim or lessons. Um, that's the translation. So we have a range of options which vary from Tanakh, which is basically the Torah and um, the prophets. We also have um, Jewish thoughts and Jewish philosophy. Um, as well as if for those that want to take on more Gomorrah or more Talmud, they have the option to do so. And I think it's the choice um, that made Ayushiva, uh, for me personally, the best choice for myself. Um, as in, the range was perfect. The rabbis were exceptional, very, very well learned. Um, I, I myself found myself learning a lot of Tanakh. That's what stuck out for me. Um, How would you translate Tanakh? So Tanakh is, as I mentioned before, it's the Torah, so the five books of Moses plus... Um, the prophets and the writings, yeah, and the, the extended writings. writings. Okay, yeah. so uh, it's all the the discussions that had come before, yeah, through the many years. Exactly. No, so that's more the Talmud. The Talmud is more like of a halachic kind of book, which halacha means like 
in Judaism we have 613 mitzvot, like in Christianity there's the seven Noahide laws, and based on that, based on the 613 mitzvot, there's discussions and debates on coming, kind of coming to that final decision and final um, halacha, um, which everyone takes and follows. So they discuss the different things and then they come to a final agreement and they say, okay, this is the mitzvah, this is what we're supposed to do for it, and and that's how the tan- the Talmud works. The yeah. And were you allowed to debate that? If you didn't agree with what was actually being taught to you, were you allowed to disagree? Uh, very much so. I will say, having left Yeshiva, um, I've definitely come out with an understanding that it's not necessarily I don't know something. It's more that, um, sorry, it's more that I don't know something. It's not that I disagree with something. As in, it's just having been exposed to the learning um, and having, having been exposed to the content, you realize how well thought it all is and how much meaning there is behind it all. Um, so most definitely, often, often there are times where uh, you didn't quite get it or uh, you'd have a debate with somebody because at the end of the day, um, it is you are discussing a text and the text is fixed, but we're living in a world that is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, um, a lot of stuff had to be challenged um, based on my upbringing. But the rabbis, as I said and mentioned before, they were so well learned. They were the best equipped to give answers, which not always you would agree with, but definitely... Um, you could accept. Yeah, accept. And, and they okay provided with. the foundation, mm-hmm. something yeah. to work mm-hmm. off. They, they directed you in the right place. And moreover, as what they mentioned in the video, you learned how to learn. Meaning mm-hmm. if you came up with a problem or there's something that you wanted to challenge, you were able to find the sources. And I know it sounds strange because how do you learn how to learn? But yeshiva learning or um, uh, Torah learning is a very different type of learning, to, as we mentioned and we were talking about before, uh, to matric. Um, it's a it, very lateral type of thinking. Yeah. Thinking uh, out of the box, um, uh, taking into account all different sides of the story and then kind of putting them together in the most balanced way possible because yeah. there's no right and wrong answer. Um, each um, person or great rabbi or big person in the Torah world comes with their own opinion and there's also different customs and people from different customs and sects come with different opinions. And it's not to say that one's right and the other's wrong. It's that each to their own. You know, there, there's something right about each opinion. You just have to find a balanced route and something that everyone can agree on and that's how we go forward with things. That's how it kind of works today because people, a lot of people say, no, the, the Torah, the Bible is very outdated. How can we apply it to our lives today? And I think that's how we apply it because of all the rabbis and how knowledgeable they are and all their diverse opinions. They come together as a group body um, and discuss these matters, then come down to a more balanced way of thinking and a set way of thinking and they all agree upon it and that's how we go forward with it uh, most of the time in Judaism. So, you know, that's the learning part. Now, Rabbi as Lord Jonathan Sachs always says that learning without actually seeing the world beyond what you're learning is empty. Yeah. That, I mean, those are not his exact words. There are those. I put them into my words. But what he says that unless we're reaching out to other people, not just our own, but to other people as well, learning is actually uh, empty. 100%. And yet, as he says, we do have to learn about our own identity, especially in the world today. Very much so. So what do you think that you learnt about your identity, Ross? Um, just... Based on what you've just said, I think what we were offered um, and the tools that we were now equipped with is how do I function as a religious Jew in the modern world today? Um, as a lot of yeshivot or, um, yeah, it's, uh, a lot of yeshivot kind of, they want to keep you there for as long as possible. 
But our rabbis were aware to the fact that a lot of us are only going to be there for a year. So then the question becomes, how are we going to send our boys out and how are they going to deal with the world as religious Jews? So what I learned about myself um, is I learned how to challenge things. I learned how to engage with people from all different um, sects in Judaism. Um, and that just comes from having lived in Israel. Um, I also learned that I'm allowed to be wrong. Um, and it's okay to be wrong. Don't always have the answers. It's quite a good feeling hey, um, to know it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I also learned a lot about myself. I mean, living independently for the year, um, especially coming from a South African community where we are offered, fortunately enough, a lot of help, um, especially coming from the school environment where there's a lot of spoon feeding. Whereas once you've been, once you've been placed in independent living, um, you need to start figuring things out for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I always describe myself as an independent person, but definitely after this year, I learned how to, I was put in situations that I would never have thought I would have been placed in. Um, and you have to become a bit of a problem solver and deal with them. So it's resilience, isn't it, Josh? Yeah, very What much did so. you learn about yourself, Josh? I guess I learned the direction I wanted to go in. Um, I learned discipline great discipline i mean to be able to sit down for nine to ten hours of the day and learn um every single day for the full year is very difficult and you need to have a lot of discipline um very much so beyond my matric year is the balance because as much as i was learning and i loved learning i also knew that i needed time for gym i needed time to go see friends and also to sleep and relax you know because that's also important (laughs) i learned a lot about my character um, like Ross said, knowing when it's okay to be wrong and um, accepting that you're wrong and also taking responsibility for your actions because you're not always going to do the best things in your life. You're always going to make mistakes, but you just have to kind of like own it, own it, yeah, and uh, take responsibility for it. And whether you need to apologize for it or just own it, you have to know how to do that. And I think that's important. And also the independent living. I mean, I had to cook for myself a lot. Um, I wouldn't say I'm the best cook yet, but um, I definitely learned a lot how to cook, obviously, um, on how to organize and plan things for myself because, I mean, my mom still does that for me, but <laughs> but um, I just had to do it for myself there. And um, definitely balancing life because yeah. as much as I value my Judaism and my learning, I also value my friends, my community, Benakiva, and just kind of living life, you know, um, and that's why I definitely think as much as I, I, I spent a lot of time learning, I also went out and just yeah. experienced Israel, toured a lot, and just enjoyed myself because I think that's also important on a gap year. So was that touring part of your, part of your curriculum? Uh, yeah, so the program was very balanced um, for me. As I said, it was, as I mentioned before, the hardest thing when deciding on which program you're going to go on is finding the right balance for yourself. And as I said, I thankfully picked the right, made the right decision um, and picked the right program. Uh, so for us, it was amazing. We got not only to have the time uh, to invest in learning um, and engage with the rabbis, with people from around the world, um, but we also were taken all around Israel. Um, we experienced many tulim. We also went What's to... What's po- a tulim? A tulim are like hikes in Israel. Tours. Tours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Traveling around Israel. Wonderful. It's easy to explain it like that. Mm-hmm. Um as well as we went to Poland and Lithuania, uh, which for me was a second time and a completely different journey. Wow. What was different about it, Ross? Um, when I went to March of the Living, I felt it was a very individualistic um, experience. And you were a lot younger. Very much so. Um, also, a lot had happened until then um, in my life, uh, a lot of difficulties and hardship. 
which kind of changed my lens when I was in Poland. And your own losses that you were working through. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I'll tell you what made a remarkable difference was A, the people you're going with, because at the end of the day, they influence the environment that you're in. Um, so when you're on March the Living, it's, uh, you're kind of meeting new people while you're there. And it's a, in a way, March the Living is a celebration of um, where we were to where we are now, mm. uh, meaning Poland then and Israel today. Whereas I found this trip on MTA, having spent it, it was a lot more a more religious experience. Our tour guide was exceptional. Um, he really he's the perfect guy for the program. Um, he knows how to interact with us. He knows what's relevant, what isn't, as well as um, our group was already close. Yeah, our We've group been had been, been living with each other for six months, living mm-hmm. literally in the same room. So you were no a privacy. support for one another. If one 100%. fell down, there was someone to pick you up and yeah, walk beside you. Very exactly. much so. And things that stood out uh, that were prevalent uh, the first time I went weren't so t- um, uh, as impactful the second time. But uh, like I don't know. It, Poland's not an easy place to go to. Not at all. And I realized having been a second time, I felt the first time was enough, I must be honest. But having gone a second time, I no longer have that excuse, so to speak, to not go again. I feel responsibility now to go again. Um, what is your responsibility, Josh? Can I ask you, what What do you feel after going to Poland? Because it was your first trip. Yeah. And it was a hard trip. It was extremely difficult. What was the most difficult part for you? I think... Because it was my first time going, I had never really understood what the Holocaust was. I always obviously learned about it and had a sort of an understanding. But only once you go there and ex- actually are in the places where these um, atrocities happened is when you really come to really have a, a good understanding of what happened there and and feel that empathy and um, for what happened. So has it made you both more... Um passionate about being Jewish, about actually making sure that your family will be brought up definitely. Jewish, Most definitely. your children. Most definitely. I mean, as I said, it was a second time for me, um, and not not intentionally, but you do come up with comparisons when you're there from the first time you went to the second time you're there. Um, but both times consistently you realize, you feel a strong sense of responsibility mm. that mm. something like that should never have happened. Um and we don't know why it happened, but it happened. And please, God, will never happen yeah. again. Yeah, and as much as we can um, contemplate the why, in my opinion, the most important question is the what now. What do, what can I do now? What How can I be active in not allowing something like this to happen again? And how can I be active in the personal responsibility I have, exactly what you're saying, continuing Jewish life? Um, and I think the fundamentals of that is education. And linking it back just to Yeshiva, we were fortunate enough to learn what the people in Poland and before them were engaging with mm. years and years before mm, that. Which is amazing. Yeah. What a blessing. Honestly, I mean, years and years and years of great scholarship before you. 100%. And, when, and as, I, as I mentioned before, the second time was a more religious experience. More we, spiritual. Yeah, we went mm. with the rabbi um, and we also engaged with a lot of the... Um, which I didn't get the first time I went with a lot of the rabbis and the Torah that was lost in Poland with the people hmm, that were lost. That must lost. have been fascinating. Um, wow. And that in of itself is devastating. Mm. And you just mm. feel a much stronger sense of responsibility in order to kind of not make up for it, but responsibility to play your part in learning and the continuation of it all. So in the yeah. secular world, which you will both be entering um, eventually, <laughs> yeah. what what do you feel... Reaching out to people of all many different 
religions and affiliations to Judaism. Yeah. What, how do you feel that you can best engage and actually be a role model in that world? Um, something that we learned in Yeshiva is that if you're not being a Chilol Hashem, um, then you've been a Kiddush Hashem and it works alternatively. If you're not being a Kiddush Hashem, then you've been a Chilol Hashem. So to explain that, I mean, if you're not doing things and acting as a role model and a mentor by yourself, because that's when people really look at you and really learn the most from you, not from what you say, but from what you do and how you act. And that's the term of being a Kiddush Hashem, acting in an appropriate way, in the way that you've been brought up, in the way that you've learned from where we're coming from, from a yeshiva environment, as a, a religious boy, a religious Jewish boy. And um, we, we, in a way, by our actions, praising God for, um, for creating us and respecting him for, for giving us this life. And, and, and therefore, we need to take action and live it the best way we possibly can. And, and if we're not doing that, then we, we actually going against what Hashem wants from us and going against this gift of a body and, um, and a soul that we have, um, because we're not, um, doing what we need to be doing and helping the people around us and, and being, uh, or, uh, um, to the nation, you know, like a lie to the nation, mm-hmm. um, which anyone can be, no matter what religion you come from. It's just being a good role model, a good mentor for people around you and, and having good values and, having good values and morals. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Sue Jackson, my guests today are Ross Novitz and Josh Jackson, and you can SMS us on 34519 or telegram us on 061-895-1019. We are talking about their gap year in Israel and all that they learned about themselves and about the world around them too. Ross. Let me go back to you and what you feel you have learned. Um, so something I wanted to mention before, which I think is prevalent to mention now, is when we were on our year, we were visited by Rabbi Kaplan. Um, he's the Mizrahi rabbi at the moment. He's the ex-Banan Kiva rabbi. And what he said to us is, this isn't a gap year. This is an on year. But the way I'd like a to... Non. Re- an on. An, an on year. Yeah. The way I'd like to rephrase that is, it's an investment year. Aye. So thankfully, we were able to invest invest in ourselves Um and we were given the opportunity to do so. That's a lovely um, way of looking at yeah. it. Yeah, so I think that's um, something I wanted to mention before. So we're speaking about um, the responsibility we have going into um, the world, and the secular world specifically. Um, and I think at the end of the day, when you put your kippah on in the morning, you're almost kind of like signing the contract and the T's and C's, um, mm. and you're picking on the responsibility um, that you now have to exactly what Josh was saying. And you have to live up to that responsibility. Yeah, that skull cap on your head has exactly. a meaning. Hundred percent. Um, it's not only for you to spot another Jew. It's also, <laughs> it's also the world's looking at you at the end of the day. And mm. you know what? It doesn't matter what religion you are. I think the most important thing is being a good person. That's the basis and that's what your fundamental should be. And thankfully the year that we were on, um, allowed us to decide what that means, to challenge it, um, to see what are the values that we want to live by. Um, and it gave us um, the platform in order to accept these values and to question, not only question them, but to come up with the answers. Mm-hmm. As in, it's one thing to question, but the program couldn't have given us the answers any better. Um, and yeah, having lived in Israel, um, as we were discussing before, you get exposed to all walks of life. Um, the community in South Africa is very different to Jewry in Israel. Um, in Israel, it's very diverse. I mean, President Rivlin describes it as the four tribes. And uh, everyone is a prime minister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so basically the four tribes, what he speaks about is he says there's four types of people living in Israel. Um, and he says that 
The first is the Haredim. Um, the second is the modern Orthodox. The third is the Arabs. And the fourth is the secular. And it's funny speaking about kippot because when you wear your kippah here, it doesn't necessarily matter which kippah you wear. Because here in South Africa, firstly, our community is unique. Um, and I don't think there's a community like it in the world that is so accepting um, and a community that will literally drop whatever it is to be there for one another. Um, but having said that, you can walk into any minyan, which is a basically when you go and dive in, it's a minyan is a group of 10 men uh, minimum um, in order that you can uh, fulfill all the prayer services. So you can walk into any minyan, um, whether you're wearing a velvet kippah, um, a knitted kippah, a red kippah, blue kippah, whether you're in shorts, longs, wearing a black hat. Um, and what unites us is, this, uh, is the concept of being a South African Jew. But in Israel, it's very different. Because every or the majority are Jewish, um, you find yourselves uh, with a lot of uh, almost debate um, and kind of confliction um, in that if I'm not doing something one way and you're doing it another, why are you doing it that way? Um, and often there's a lot of dis- disagreement. And intolerance in many uh, sects, Yeah, too. very much so. Um, I know if Which I'm, is unfortunate. It is yeah. unfortunate. Um, we do need to all work together, especially in today's world. 100%. Um, and I think just going back to what we were speaking about, the responsibility that we now have in being good people, um, there's a concept that goes, Derech Eretz Kadmah Torah which basically means um, being a good person comes before um, the Torah, meaning before like the, the ins and outs mm-hmm. um, yeah. of the Jewish law, so to speak. Um, but then there's also the, the flip side of the sentence that goes, Torah kad maladerech eres, meaning we have responsibility to do both. But um, when it's ju- uh, at the end of the day, in the world that we live in, with anti-Semitism levels rising, um, we have responsibility to look out for one another and be there for one another. Very definitely. And be the best person we can be. Definitely. The two of you are actually uh, about to embark on another year. Ross, where are you off to? Um, so funnily enough, I leave tomorrow, uh, leave soon. I'm not going to say when because I plan on surprising <laughs> a few people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I better pick, that, pick up on that. Yeah. Um, but I'll be leaving to Australia, uh, to Sydney to study soon. Um, thankfully, on the year that I'd been, I'd met uh, and been exposed to Australians. Um, and studying in Australia was always an idea that my dad had. Um, I wasn't so set on it, and that's why I ended up taking my year in Israel. And, you know, everything, or life has a funny way of playing itself out. You know, they say, man plans, God laughs. Absolutely. Um, and at the end of the day, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I found myself on a program with Australians, made some amazing friends, met some incredible people. Um, and I got accepted into the university I wanted to get accepted to, which I never understood how much of an accomplishment it was until I'd visited Sydney earlier this year. Um, because for me, that big, having been on the year that we were on, especially being, having been on a Bernakeva program, there's always a question of Aliyah. And I'll, Aliyah is, uh, Aliyah, is yeah, going I'm, to immig- immigrating to Israel. Mm. Um, and I must say, after my year, even though I've decided to go to Australia, I kind of feel like Alia has been engraved in me, as in it's a matter of when and not if. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will be back. Please God. Please God very soon. Um, but I've got my five-year degree to study there. I'm not sure what will take place after that. What are you going to be studying? Um, so it's a double major. I'll be studying law and uh, criminology, uh, which at the University of Sydney, which, as I mentioned before, I didn't realize the accomplishment it was um, to get into. I'd visited. I also have family there. So for me, it's a bit of a softer landing. Um, also the community there is very different to the South African community um, an amazing community it's, it reminds me a lot of Cape Town funnily enough, you know both coastal cities they both kind of conduct themselves in a similar way 
But having said that, there's a lot of ex-people from, who had lived in Joburg living mm. in Sydney. So mm. for me, it was like a better balance. Um, and as I mentioned before, um, this country is amazing. Uh, but I was given and afforded the opportunity to study overseas with friends that I'd now made. Um, and I'm excited to start a new chapter in my life. Gosh, uh, very exciting. But the two of you are going to be leaving each other. Josh, what yeah. your plans for next year? You're going back to Israel and then you're going to decide. Is that yes. right? Yes, so far that's it. I'm going back in three weeks. I'm going to embark on a new um, journey, a second year of Yeshiva at, at Eretz Hatzvi, which I'm very excited for. And then I'm going to see what the future holds for me. I'm going to be in Israel, thank God, and I'm just going to see what it has to offer and take it day by day. And how does it feel? The two of you have been together since you were three, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've literally. got a photo of the two of you at your birthday party, Josh, when you were three. And... Um, Two beautiful little blonde-haired boys <laughs> who are now beautiful, good-looking boys. Uh, actually, you left here, boys, last year, and you've come back men. You really Thank have. You. And uh, I know that Joshua's uh, grandfather often says that to him. But it's true. He said it about you too, Ross. I think that's yeah. what did happen in this year. Yeah. You did go as as schoolboys, and you've come back as men of the world. <laughs> what is it going to feel like leaving each other? Yeah, sure. Um, the year that we had, um, I think, taught us a lot about ourselves. Unfortunately, um, it was a very difficult year for not only us, but our friend group as a whole. Um, and it, if there's anything that we learned, it doesn't matter how far apart we are, where we are in the world, we'll always be there for each other. And as soon as we s- see each other, so to speak, um, everything comes back. And it's as if we never left. So I must say it is extremely difficult. I mean, we're in the same room for living together for the past year with and an we, Australian. And we live right next to each other in South yeah. Africa. So yes. we were with each other every day at school, every weekend um, at like Shul, the synagogue, and on Sundays at most, most yeah. of the time. So, so it is, it's going to be we, difficult. Yeah, we've grown, up, we've grown up together. But as I mentioned before, the bond and the relationship that we had, um, I don't think there's anything that can affect it, to be honest. I'm, so, I'm pretty confident in saying it's, that. It's going to be there. And Josh, this year there were, were you know, the the advantages and disadvantages to a gap year. Always. Very much so. Tell me a few of the disadvantages. So, when you think of a gap year, you think of fun, excitement, and just like jolling all the time. Um, which I think our year was a bit different to that, um, because we were in Yeshiva most of the day. Can we get back to of that? Of course, of course, yeah. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on one hundred one point nine High FM. Through Chai FM, you connect to the world, to Israel, and to the global listening community. But now you can connect to the heart of the station. Download our free app to listen live. Contact the studio, office, or helpline at one touch. Find it on the Google App Store, C-H-A-I-F-M, Chai FM. Just look for the logo. The Chai FM app is brought to you by Binary Headquarters. Right, Josh, we're going back to you. And we were looking at a few of the disadvantages of a gap year. Definitely. So what I was saying before is that in Yeshiva, we learn around 9 to 10 hours a day. So you can imagine that not every day is airy-fairy and fun and exciting and the learning's amazing. There are a lot of days where you do find it very difficult to learn, to get out of bed, to have that motivation. So I thought that was very difficult. 
but the days where it is incredible are beyond incredible and the days where it's like you you slack in a bit and and you might be a bit demotivated um, you're human you're human exactly and you accept and your rabbis are there to support you and they push you and you just give it your all for that day and that's just how the gap year goes and beyond that obviously um, unfortunately as a friend group like Ross said earlier we we experienced the loss of a friend which was very unfortunate and you spend your whole year growing and developing yourself and building yourself up and building your emunah in faith in God um and you become really close to him and then something just hits you like this, like losing a friend. And then you start to question, you start to question God and question yourself and question your whole journey. And that was extremely difficult for, for the both of us, um, and for our whole group. And then it's after that is building yourself up. And then another thing hits you. I mean, like we, last year was a very diffi- difficult year for the whole Jewish community in South Africa, Israel, all over the world. So. I definitely thought that the const, the con- constantly having to build yourself up and then being broken down and then building yourself up and breaking down was extremely difficult, especially for the year we were on, um, because we were in Yeshiva and we wanted to build ourselves up as much as possible. So, Ross, we're going to be having to wrap up just now. Thank you, Josh, yeah. for that. Just, just shortly, um, I must say that I really I'm one to believe, especially after all of this and after the year that we've had, that everything happens for a reason. And even though we don't have an, an understanding of it. Um, at the end of the day, you don't know why things happen at the time they happen, but they happen. And I don't think we could have been in a better environment. I don't think we could have been surrounded by better people, both in the yeshiva and, unfortunately, when we had to come back, um, to have dealt with the unfortunate circumstances that we had had. Thank you both so much. The time has gone incredibly quickly. Thank you so much for having us. I uh, just wish you both such blessings on your journey. And Amen. it is not our task to conquer or convert the world or to enforce uniformity or belief. It is our task to be a blessing to the world. That was Beautiful. from Lord uh, Jonathan Sachs. Amazing. And just both of you go forward with the blessings of all who know and love you. Thank you so, thank much. You so, thank you so you. much. Thank you so much. And thank you, Craig.